Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patriot Speed is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Another edition of the Patriot Speed podcast. Sorry about the little delay there. We are fresh off the field set from coming from Gillette Stadium for a Tom Brady birthday edition of day eight of Patriots training camp. Uh, Brian Hines from Pat's Pulpit, joined as always by Alex Barr from 98.5 The Sports Hub. And after a big day for the offense, punch back. I think we are kind of on the same page today, a little more back and forth stuff from the offense and defense. But I want to start off with maybe the story of the day, a curious exit early from Jack Jones, which first off, he was a little late getting out on the field after stretching. A lot of us marked him absent, and then he, he rolled in there late. And then something happened there early on an out route against Kendrick and all of a sudden Jack Jones is off the field with Jabril Peppers talking to him, gone for about 20 minutes, and then randomly appears and takes a knee on the sideline, lawn chat with Matt Groh, and he never steps on the field again. So it doesn't look like he got kicked out of practice because he came back, but a curious kind of situation from, from Jack Jones here to kind of headline day eight of training camp. Yeah, that was a weird one. He he gets first of all, he was late, right? For for the start of practice. He 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 wasn't out there for the start of stretch. We all reported that he wasn't out there, comes out late. Yeah, got beat on that out route by Kendrick Bourne. And it was one of those periods where the Patriots do this thing, like those boxing pads, right? The boxing trainers yeah. where that you punch like the individual. They have defensive backs wear those on their hands, and they've done this for years. So that, you know, they have to get used to, to coverage without grabbing the receiver and it's supposed to help with technique. And so Jones gets beat on the out route. I don't even know that Kendrick Bourne caught the ball. He just, it was close. It was, it was close. a good throw from Bailey Zappi to kind of just get it into that window and near the sideline and Jack Jones lying on the ground after diving, trying to break the pass up, takes the pad, just throws it into the ground, like slams it into the ground. And then, yeah, was like visibly unhappy. I thought he got hurt. Like, to me, it was the reaction of a player that fell bad, you know, dislocated something, hit something, and he was frustrated because he knew he was hurt. But, no, he then, you know, walks off the field. Jabril Peppers walked off with him, came back 20 minutes later, chatted with Matt Groh, chatted with Jalen Mills, and didn't take part in any other drills. But it was it was just a really weird scene for a guy that obviously has some weird things going on and has some off-the-field questions going on. I don't know that we're going to get a chance to figure out what happened. Christian Gonzalez was the only defensive back who spoke today. He didn't talk about it. Uh, Mills already talked this week. Pepper's already talked this week. Bill's done speaking for the week. So 
I'm not sure how we'll get an answer on it. Maybe somebody speaks tomorrow after the in-stadium that can clarify for us. But, yeah, weird, weird scene. And it, it did lead to some other things that we'll get to in terms of what the defense looked like without Jack Jones on the field. But that was an odd one. Yep. Maybe our best chance assistant coaches will speak tomorrow. So Melagrino, oh, Max coach, could have a little insight on that because Jones did talk to him. It looked like they had a brief conversation before he departed. But, yeah, all around kind of a weird situation. And as you mentioned, for a guy who's got some off-field stuff, a court date in like 14, 15 days here, wants to try to lay low a little bit, and that's the opposite of doing that. So we'll see. Yeah the kind of response there. We'll get into the stuff who replaced him on that had a, a nice day in his place, but kind of big picture offense, defense. I thought we were on the same page. It seemed like they were kind of blowing and forth today. Not, not a clear cut winner, kind of a weird situation at times with Mac running with the starting offensive line, but the backup skill position players and, and Bailey Zappi then had the starting skill position players but the backup offensive line. So that was kind of the gist of practice today. Yeah, that was interesting to watch. I'll say this, it, you know, it, that's, I, I wouldn't characterize that as a quarterback competition. If this yeah. continues, maybe we can start talking about this. And I promise you, I'm telling the truth. I'm not part of some big scheme making up what we're seeing when we're down there just to push a narrative, which by the way, let me remind everybody, a quarterback competition, good for clicks, good for media. But what I honestly saw, yes, Mac Jones with the presumed starting offensive line, backup wide receivers, Bailey Zappi, vice versa. But Mac Jones still going against the number one defense. Bailey Zappi still going against number two defense. That's why this is big. For this to actually become a competition, you have to grade them one for one. And that means Bailey Zappi going against the number one defense, which he has yet to do outside of like essentially a scout team rep is, is what it was. And that was like day one or day two of camp. What I do think that was, and they did it back in the spring, and Mike Reese reported this is what it was in the spring. They want, in case of emergency, you know, Kayshawn Booty might have to play with Mac Jones. Tomorrow, Douglas might end up playing with Mac Jones regardless of injury, but like regardless of emergency, get used to throwing to those guys. And Bailey Zappi, if they do get to a point where he needs to start, whether because of injury or Mac Jones doesn't come out of the gate strong, well, then, yeah, you want him to have a couple reps under his belt with Juju Smith-Schuster, with, with Devontae Parker, et cetera, et cetera. And you saw within that period why that's important because – Yes, Mac Jones made a really nice throw on a deep post to, to Trey Nixon, but he also got intercepted targeting Trey Nixon because the two weren't on the same page. And why would they be? They haven't worked together. Same thing with Bailey Zappi. You saw at times that group, especially that group getting to go against the second defense, and that's the second defense without Jack Jones even on the field. You saw him benefit from the higher level of receiver play, but some of those timing patterns weren't there like they've been between Mac Jones and the top group. So... An interesting session, definitely. It, we'll see if we see it again. If we start to see that regularly, that's maybe the first sign of a quarterback competition. But as a one-off, no, it's not what that was. Yeah, seems more like contingency plans, just having your backup, backup right. things covered. And by the way, if the plan was to use that to kick off a quarterback competition, you wouldn't do it on the last day before you're essentially going to have two days off because they're not, they're not going to do any live reps yeah. tomorrow in the in-stadium and then they're off Saturday. The day to do it, would have been Wednesday because yeah. Bailey Zappi, the big day on Sunday, you're going to the first practice in pads on Monday, both sides of the offense get clicking Tuesday. Wednesday would have been the day to do it. Yesterday would have been the day to do it. Not today. So I, I, it, it still nothing 
resembling a quarterback competition down there in Foxborough. That is the truth. I promise you that is what I saw. I'm not going there to sit out in the sun for two hours to make stuff up. And I don't think, yeah. Brian, you're doing that either. If, if there was some nope. big meeting with the reporters to discuss this, I missed it. I was not invited. You did not miss that. So no quarterback competition, but uh, it did. It was a mixed bag, right? Obviously, as you might expect, working with new guys. Mentioned the interception. Zappy had an interception, too, in the red zone. Adrian Phillips didn't even see him, I, I think. It looked like Demario Douglas was open. Phillips was kind of playing like a robber role there and just – right there for the interception. Mac was a little better in the red zone, I'd say. They had a nice little design on a rub route for Juju for a touchdown. So you're still you're starting to see that point of emphasis that they put on the red zone early in camp kind of you know paying dividends here as they move forward. Yeah, sorry. Uh you just broke out there for a second. <laughs> um, what was that last part? Just the the emphasis they're putting on the red zone there. It's starting to you're starting to see the dividends a little. Some of those designs with Bill O'Brien and yeah. those plays yeah, yeah. So working in the side field. The designs are working, and and I I think on top of the designs as well. I think the designs are part of it. Your internet's good now, Brian. By the way, I think that might have been on my end. Um, the the designs are good. It's it's more, not more, but it's also you're starting to see the chemistry. And a lot of these are timing patterns. We talked about this yesterday. The 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 concept that the Patriots have sort of stumbled onto that when you have tall receivers and you throw the ball high, they generally are able to make plays on the football. So a lot of that is timing and, and chemistry based too. Because if you're going to throw the ball in the position where the wide receiver needs to jump, he needs to know when to jump, right? So I think you're seeing it all. It, it's a combination of things all starting starting to come together in the red zone and. It's coming together in the full field too. But what's interesting is remember how this whole thing started in camp? They they were only doing red zone. The offense couldn't do anything. And we were sitting there saying, uh-oh, is this going to be like last year? And then I do think the full field work helped them build some of that chemistry, establish some of that. And then when they went back into red zone, they were building off of that. Yep. Mentioned the jump balls. One to Devontae Parker today. Jonathan Jones got in there. He's been really good down there on those jump balls against Parker this summer. Parker, it looked like he signaled to Mac, get that a little higher. It looked a little low. So, yeah. again, if that's going to be a big part of their offense, they got to keep ironing that out. But big offensive thing, I think, these last two days, and I want to get your thoughts. We were talking a little bit down there. Tyquan Thornton was limited again today. He didn't do any competitive work, any one-on-ones against defensive backs. He's been kind of a no-show. And for a guy who a lot of us pegged as kind of an X-factor in this wide receiver room, obviously that speed is a big threat. It, it's been a kind of disappointing start to the summer here for Taekwon. Yeah, I, I don't remember if it was this show or, or on the Sports Hub Patriots podcast on 98.5thesports.com. People can check out yesterday. I used the term danger zone. And that's where Taekwon Thornton's in because I think we can really start having this conversation now as Demario Douglas continues to check boxes and he checked more boxes today, there was a rare live tackling drill and he was excellent. So as DeMar, the whole thing with Tyquan Thornton, like coming in, the draft pick was part of it. But the other reason it felt like he was going to get more leash was, well, they, they just need speed. They need speed on the offense and he's probably the only guy that's going to give it to them. Well, here comes Demario Douglas and he can do some of that as well. And, if he and we're not there yet, I'm not willing to say that Demario Douglas is the guy and and Tyquan Thornton's gone. But 
if Demario Douglas can continue to push him and Tyquan Thornton can't even get on the field, like he already ha has to make up for lost time. And now he's not even on the field able to do it. I mean, his role starts to dissipate and that's just the reality of it. So he needs to get on. The, I'm not saying it's all over for him. You know, if he comes back next week and starts making plays and looks good in joint practices, then it becomes, oh, that was weird. Remember like the first week of camp when he just was a no show. I uh, wonder what changed. That's going to be the conversation, but if it continues to go in this direction, then yeah, you look at his reps being in, in danger. And Demario Douglas would have to, you know, do his part too and show up in those joint practices and continue to make plays. But that gap is starting to close very quickly. And I think it was three or four shows ago we were talking about: is it too early to put start talking about Demario Douglas and Tyquan Thornton? I don't think it's too early to start talking about it. We're still a ways away from from Douglas surpassing him, but. Things are trending in in the direction for that to happen. Unfortunately, yeah, it doesn't look like that Randy Moss situation I was joking about, where they're just hiding Taekwon Thornton until Week One. It doesn't look like that's where it's headed. You want to see him out there, hopefully sooner rather than later. But yeah, the Demario Douglas hype—it's it, took another level today in that one-on-one -on -one tackling drill because I don't think he didn't touch the ground. The Patriots cornerbacks couldn't get him on the ground, and it's still that skill set is so different from what they have in that room. It's so unique. And you just think a guy like Bill O'Brien would see that and just be all over that, that stop-start ability out of the slot, the way they're moving them all around the formation too. With Mac Jones really from the start, so he that, that hype's real. And I get it. I see people in the comments saying, wait till he plays in the regular season. There's a long way to go. But everything you've seen so far from Douglas is kind of what you expected. And he just every day he's stacking these on top of each other. And the other, the other side of it is, and that's true, but the other side is everything you've seen or haven't seen from Tyquan Thornton. This is kind yeah. of the point. Wait till you see him in the regular season. Like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he is, maybe he is the next Zach Sudfeld. I don't know. But if he's making plays in camp and Tyquan Thornton isn't, and they know they need to get speed on the field, they're going to give Demario Douglas a shot. And what he does with that shot, then we'll see. And that, that will be really interesting. Like, again, we're a long ways to go from that. We got to see him in joint practices first before we see him in, in, in preseason game and then a regular season game if we get there. But he's he's giving them another option for Tyquan Thornton, which is something we didn't think they would have coming into camp. And that's a big deal, especially when Tyquan Thornton is no-showed the way he has. Yep. So Tyquan limited, Trent Brown still limited, Cole Strange, same boat. So offensive line, again, a little shorthanded today. That starting unit, it was Moffy back in at right guard and Rusi in at uh, left guard with Reef and McDermott at the tackles. They were they held their own in one-on-ones, the offensive line, but then when they went into 11s, it was kind of a mess, right? And I think both Mac and Zappi faced a good amount of pressure today, a good amount of sacks for a lot of the defense, blitzing a lot from the secondary. I had Jalen Mills on one, so... That offensive line, we still expect that top-end talent to get better as they get healthier, but still you're still kind of seeing the worst-case scenario maybe with one or two injuries uh, to that top unit. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's Sorry, say that again. You cut out again. I, th I think yeah. it's on my end. I think yeah, it's on my end. Like I think you're good. Okay. The back end I'm, says you're good. But... I'm plugged in here from our – Okay, it's on my end then. So, so. <laughs> all right. What'd you, um, so what did you say? That the O line, a lot of pressure. They were good in one on one. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
um, not so great in 11s. It kind of so fell it's, apart. It's funny there. you mentioned that. Like, I one thing that that was notable to me, and I apologize to everybody who's got to deal with us. You've all been talking about our internet in the live chat, in the replies, and now you have to watch us do it in real time. We're working on it. One thing that really stood out to me with the offensive line today was Riley Reef dominant win over Josh Uche in one-on-ones. And then they get to team drills and Josh Uche just snow plowed him, just snow plowed him. And it's, I, I think I've kind of figured out why Riley Reef is struggling. Cause the thing about one-on-ones is there's no mystery in it. Like, yeah, there's past different pass rush moves you can do, but you know, I'm right here. You're right there. You're coming at me. You're not going to go over here. You're not going to go over there. You, you're not going to run by, you're not going to try to run by somebody in a one-on-one. Whereas in a team set, yeah, he's going to try to go around the edge. He's going to try to go around the horn and you as an offense, he being the rusher and you as a lineman, you've got to move yourself out to that spot to make that play. And what, what Riley Reef is struggling with right now is that, that part, like when he gets in position, when he gets his hand on a guy, yeah, he's fine. He's holding up, but getting to that point, when somebody's coming around the edge, moving to the outside, it's fine. I spin in my chair. I didn't even mean to do that. Like moving to the outside, getting back in that pass set to make that play is the struggle right now. And I do think Connor McDermott's passed him and Connor McDermott was fine today. Connor McDermott's always just sort of fine, which could be worse, could be better. I, I don't know if you ever watched the, um, this is a really dark comparison. You ever watch the HBO series Chernobyl? No, I haven't. It's really good. You should watch it. But there, it became a meme in it where, like, you know, they're measuring something, like the level of something, and they get to meet. And this guy just goes, eh, not great, not terrible. And it's like, yeah, all right. That's that's kind of what Connor McDermott is. Like, yeah, we're not in immediate danger, but it, it, I don't feel great about it. And that's that's better than what we're getting from Riley Reef right now. Now, the interesting thing is they're both on the field. So we haven't really seen Reef rep at right tackle, which is where he would probably be with Trent Brown on the left side. But it's, I mean, look, the whole thing's just a mess. The one silver lining in all of this on the offensive line, I would say, is we've gotten this between all the injuries, and injuries are obviously never good, but just this is the circumstance. Antonio Maffi, I think, is a guy. Still, I, yep. I, I don't know to what extent. I don't know that he, like, I'm not sitting here telling you he's going to be an all-pro, but, like, he's an NFL guard. I, I feel comfortable saying that. He had a really impressive rep today where a pass rusher tried to like jump up to knock a ball down and Moffy just planted him. And like, that's what you want to see these guys do. He's got a nasty streak that you didn't, you didn't see. You don't see when there's no pads on. You don't see from anybody when there's no pads on. So what I wonder is if the, like, I don't even know it's about not seeing enough from reefer McDermott and McDermott's probably done enough to this point where like, if he keeps doing this, he'll start the season at right tackle. But we, we talked about that thing that does Michael and when move out to right tackle at any point. And I think we, we talked about that a lot in the context of what if the right tackles are terrible, which yeah, if the right tackles are terrible, you need another answer. But the other part of that was you need a guard to fill in for Michael and Wendu. And we had sort of talked about it in the abstract of, well, we like their depth at guard more than their depth at tackle. And they'll probably find somebody. I, I, I think they might have done that. I think they might've found somebody in Mafia that again, I don't know exactly what he is, but I'd feel comfortable if they need to move Michael and Wendu right tackle saying, all right, we can move him out there. We'll give Mafia a shot and see what that looks like. So 
that's kind of been the silver lining in all of this. But yeah, it's still it's still a mess. Look, they they have two of five starters on the field right now. It shouldn't look good, but it's it's kind of you, you saw it coming. You saw it coming. That was my big kind of takeaway. That at least when you're getting these reserves in there, one of them is stepping up. And Mafi, you mentioned that play he planted the guy. He also had a big win over uh, Godshaw in one on one. So. He just looks better and better as you get these pads on. And as you know, you alluded to with the Mike and Winnu thing, if you have to get to a point where you just play your best five, now you have another guard you can put in there and, and bump on Winnu out. So that'll be interesting to see it when this, hopefully Trent comes back and we get a real, like that real right tackle competition. And then if that kind of bottoms out, then maybe they are forced to bump on Winnu out and you can rely on a guy like Mafi inside there. So if there is a silver lining, that's 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 probably the one here from losing some of this O-line top-end talent uh, early on. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So um, should we hear from our pals at FanDuel, and then we'll yes, jump into a we're actually going to hear from uh, – I think we're actually going to hear from me today. Uh, it's actually a really good deal, Brian. So for people who don't know what, what that is. bonus bets are, is like – They'll give you, and, and sometimes this was a, a promo we used to run. We don't anymore. It's like up to $1,000. If your first bet loses, you get a bonus bet, which is basically they don't put $1,000 back in your account that you can like withdraw, but it's like you have this money to bet. So, I mean, what you could do with that, you could bet the team you think is going to win the Super Bowl. There might be overlap here. You could also just bet on a team you think is going to win a bunch of regular season games. And then like, even if they don't end up winning the Super Bowl, if you take those bonus bets and you play some smart, you still probably end out heavily up. Like, I, can we call that the Jets bet? Because we've been saying the Jets are the team that's going to win like 14 games and lose in the wild card round. I I guess you might as well bet on the team you think is going to win the Super Bowl, right? But you could probably make more money off that just betting on the team you think is going to win the most regular season games. It's probably more of a... Bet on the Chiefs. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably more of a Chiefs bet, but like, I don't know, Jets bet. Whatever. That's a, that's a really good deal. So again, that's, uh, that is FanDuel... I want to make sure I get the code right. FanDuel.com slash Boston to uh, to set that up. Jets, you kicking off the season tonight, Hall of Fame game. That's you right. going on FanDuel to place anything? Uh, Jets minus two. I have not I believe. yet. I, I love betting on the Hall of Fame game because I think it's like peak degeneracy. And there's just like, you know, why you watch the Hall of Fame game? I bet on it. Are you serious? I feel like I gained power from that interaction, but... um. I don't know. It's going to be Zach Wilson, right? We get to see Zach Wilson. Someone, so was, be on fun. Someone was on Twitter. I uh, just I forgot who it was, but they're like, I got Zach Wilson in my daily fantasy lineup tonight. This <laughs> is peak, you know, football's back, the, baby. The great thing about the Hall of Fame game is like, we're going to spend all day today. You just did it. Football's back. I can't wait to watch football. a football game. This is great. And nobody plays anybody in the Hall of Fame game. I mean, most of the guys who play this game will not play in the NFL this year. So we get all geared up for football coming back. And then within like 10 minutes, we're going to be sitting there like this, this kind of sucks. sucks. <laughs> yeah, this is not real football, but it was fun last year because it was Josh McDaniels and it was the Raiders and it was Jared Stidham lighting it up. Meanwhile, we're going to have a, we're going to have a hall of fame game soon in new England. I really think so. Cause they usually base it off of the class, right? It's the jets and the Browns this year. You have, have uh, Joe Thomas, you have Terrell Revis, of course. I would imagine the Patriots will get the Hall of Fame game when Brady goes in. Yeah, I would be pretty surprised if they didn't. So we might be due for one in a in a couple years. 
That'd be no. It wouldn't be Brady and Gronk. Gronk would be a year earlier. Gronk would be right? a year earlier. So I yeah, and I don't think the Patriots would get it. Oh, uh, you know what? It's going to be Patriots Bucks. Whenever Brady gets in, that's what it'll be. Yeah. That they should do. Sense. Remember they used to do throwbacks in the Hall of Fame game. Yeah. Which like throwbacks in the preseason is an absurd concept. Although you you couldn't do the Reds versus the uh, creamsicles, that wouldn't really work. Yeah, be tough. Oh, perfect. Patriots wear their white throwbacks, which I love. Yeah. Which also, awesome. it, since we're on this tangent, what the Hall of Fame game features one of the stupidest coaching decisions in NFL history, and it specifically came when the Titans played somebody, might have been the Jets, and it was the year they wore the Oilers throwbacks in the Hall of Fame game, and they brought the Titans broke out one of the sickest fake punt plays I've ever seen. And it went for a touchdown. It was great, but they burned it in the hall of fame game. Like, what are you doing? Is that anyway, recently? I, 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 you know what? I tweet about that every year. Now I got to go find, cause I realized I haven't sent that tweet out yet today. Uh, I'm going to do that right now. It was, I mean, within the last 15 years, maybe the last 10 years, it, it I feel like familiar. I was probably in high school. But yeah, burning burning your good stuff in the Hall of Fame game is is a is a decision. But, um, and it's not like they ran like you know you want to run a trick play in the Hall of Fame game. Run a flea flicker. We yeah. all know what a flea flicker is. Not they ran like serious. a play that you can only run once, and they ran it in the <laughs> Hall of Fame. I and now I got to look up what year that was because doesn't that seem like something Jeff Fisher would do? Yes, it very much Bills. so. Actually. It was Titans Bills. I want to hang on now. Now I gotta see. Stall for me for a second here. Uh Titans Bills Hall of Fame game. It was uh 2009. So yeah, I think that was Jeff Fisher. Yeah, it was Jeff Fisher. Guess what their record was that year? The Titans. Eight and eight. <laughs> eight and eight. That's right. Third place in the AFC South. Peak Jeff Jeff uh, Jeff Fisher season. Uh, if you want to if you want to see the fake punt, you can go on my Twitter right now. Real at real Alex Barth. I'm about to tweet it out. It writes itself. The jokes write themselves. But um, all right, we'll get off the Hall of Fame game a little. Oh, it's literally. Uh, you might have missed it. It's literally Jeff Fisher high fiving somebody after they ran it. Like, dude, what are you doing? We did it. Yes, <laughs> it worked. <laughs> we can never do it again, but it worked. Okay. Um, All right, let's 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 get on with the Patriots. So, case uh, transitioned us perfectly here. This is what I wanted to go to because without Jack Jones today, Isaiah Bolden continues to get some increased reps. He was kind of out there on Christian Gonzalez at the end there, had a nice little pass breakup on Parker, I believe, down the field in a two minute. That, that was a really nice play. Yeah, that wasn't your typical like. Uh, you know, swat the arm up of a ball kind of in the city. No, Parker had the ball in his hands, a jump ball situation. Parker went up and got it. Bolden, 6-3, punched the ball out on, in a yep. two-minute drill. That was a, that was a big-time play for, for the Rook. Yep, so he continues to kind of stack some days here and make it interesting. Jack Jones, again, it's a questionable situation there, so they might need that depth along the, along the boundary there. And... That size and speed is really enticing. So, if he could stack, you know, make a push here, that that would be intriguing fit. And then the other corner, Christian Gonzalez, had one of maybe the most physical plays of camp so far. If you were worried about his physicality, I know that was a knock on him getting out of school. Maybe why he was available at pick seventeen for the Patriots. He flew downhill on like a short little pass in the flat to. Raleigh Webb and lit him up for for loss. So good to kind of see 
you know, that physicality that we wanted to see from Christian Gonzalez here early on. Yeah, and we talked about how yesterday was kind of an interesting day for him, right? He, I thought he was doing everything right. He was just getting beat, and that can be life in the NFL. Back in one-on-ones today, gets another high-profile rep against Juju Smith-Schuster. Slot fade. Juju beat like beat him clean off the line. I thought, oh, no, this doesn't look great. But this was a big thing with Gonzalez coming out. The ability to change direction effortlessly, close in space. Juju beats him offline at a point where I'm thinking, oh, no. Yet Gonzalez had the pass breakup. Like he caught up to him and broke it up with, with room to spare. So that was one where I'm like, all right, kid's not discouraged. Great sign. And he got beat again later in the day. Mac Jones and Kendrick Bourne got him on what was probably the play of the day, that throw to the back corner. Kendrick Bourne runs a deep post in the back corner of the end zone. Mac Jones put it just off the off the boundary. Kendrick Bourne goes up, gets it over Gonzalez, toe tap. Mac really put it in the only in a spot where only Bourne was going to make a play on it. Like Gonzalez got beat by the throw more than the receiver. But yeah, I, I I thought for Gonzalez overall it was a nice bounce back day. And talking to him after practice too, like he doesn't seem phased at all. He, yeah. Too worried about. He seems to understand that this is a learning process, and he does seem to understand like he's going to get beat. And it's what do you take from getting beat? It's funny actually. So Julian Edelman did a surprise media scrum after practice, which was cool to to get in. And and he brought up what is like an old time Patriots cliche, but it's so true because they asked him like, what advice would you give the young guys out here? And he said. You're going to make mistakes in camp. And he said, it was, I forget who it was, an old uh, uh, Scott O'Brien, who was, was, yeah, was a special teams team coach for the Patriots years ago, told him this. And this goes back, you know, this is like day one Belichick stuff. You're going to make mistakes. That That's camp that happens. When you make the mistake, what do you learn from it? And are you, are you making the same mistake twice? As much as people think the Patriots are this, you know, perfection machine, they allow room for mistakes. What they don't want to see is do you go out and make the same mistake again? Because that means you didn't learn from it. You didn't change anything. And that's what they care about. And with Gonzalez, I would say he's doing a good job of, yeah, he's getting beat at times. But like I, I, I think the, the one against Parker yesterday is a great example where he got – he did everything right. He still got beat on the route. He came back today and in a, on a similar route won. And that's that's really good to see. Yep. And that, that one to born, it was, it looked like By he like, stumbled. Good, good a life bit. advice, too. Good life advice, too. Yeah. You're going to make mistakes, but just yeah. don't make the same mistake twice. Yep. Yeah. That one to born, pretty throw by Mac, but it looked like Gonzalez stumbled coming out of the break. So maybe he could have got a hand on that. But yeah, he didn't seem phased at all. Still has that quiet confidence. It looks talking to him after practice. But um, staying with the rookies, Keon White, again, that I mean, he just pops with the pads. His speed, power, it's all kind of there. I had him in the backfield numerous times in 11s. And someone asked about Sam Roberts the other day, and all of a sudden Sam Roberts was in front of my eyes a few times. He looked like he had a would-be sack and a few pressures. Mix it in with some of those top defensive line units too. So uh, two guys there along the D-line who kind of had some nice days. Yeah, Keon White, White's been awesome, and he's a guy, I think we talked about this yesterday, didn't talk a lot about him the first few days, we weren't going to, pads weren't on, not his game, pads come on, boom, shows up, so continuing what's been a part of a really good rookie class, I know you're talking about the defensive line, but just pass rush as a whole, and I kind of talked about it before, Josh Uche, another good day, yep. and he's been kind of quiet, I, I feel like he probably hasn't gotten talked about as much as, you know, to reflect the camp he's having. And that, that happens sometimes, right? There's only so much you can get out there in a day, but I had him down for another sack today. He's another guy that's looked good up front. 
Although with him, like Josh Uche's always been really good in camp. Padded practices, non-padded practices. He's always been good in the spring. He's always. always been good in the summer. It's just getting that to translate to the regular season. So like, I'm not getting too ahead of myself with him just because I've seen this one before. Now there's the ending of last season, which is what you want to put weight on, but that is what I'll put weight on. Like if he comes out of the gate, I'm not necessarily going to say he had a great camp. He always sort of has a great camp. If he comes out of the gate strong, I'm going to say he's picking up where he left off last year. Yep. I think I had him for two sacks, maybe. Definitely one, though. But I'm very, yeah, I am yeah. very stingy with my training camp sacks, personally. Yeah. Like, I, you have to really earn that to get it from, and I don't know what it is. I go, well, cause I want, like, there was one today where Bailey Zappi made a pretty good throw to Kendrick Bourne. Like, it was a nice throw and catch. A lot of it, it probably was a sack, but like, I want to count that because I'm going to hype up Kendrick Bourne because that's that, my guy. So, not the that was my that out. was my Sam Roberts sack. That was that was the one my Sam Roberts sack. Right. So it's it's I I you know yes would Bailey Zappi have been sacked on the play probably, but he made an impressive throw. Kendrick Bourne made an impressive catch. I want to give them credit for that because they still did it. It's still it's all about showing what you can do. That's what camp is. They still showed they can do it. It's not you know sacks are a reflection of the offensive line. The quarterback, the receiver, still made the play. You know, most of my sacks are like the sacks I'm more willing to give in camp. And ultimately, this is all meaningless because, again, it's about showing what they can do. The stats don't mean anything. But like my sacks are when the quarterback holds the ball. That's when I'm like, all right, you got it. You got to make a play. Yeah, there was another one of those iffy ones with Kayshawn Booty. It looked like if it was live, right, yeah. it could have been a sack. But Zappy kind of nice ball and, and Booty went up along the the back end line in, in the end zone there and had a really nice catch for, for a touchdown. Good body control as, as he's showing. So, um, yeah, sacks, hit or miss there sometimes throughout camp. But offense, defense, those were, I think, all my little details and takeaways. Any last thing you had before we get into the, the good special team stuff from the day? Um, let's see. We talked about Isaiah Bolden. I gave my um, I gave my Raleigh Webb take yesterday. He gets open. He had a few more few more catches today. Yeah, uh, Hunter Henry really good one on ones again. Like yep. we're not talking about Hunter Henry at this point because what more can you say? Dude's having a good camp. Like period end of story. He's probably been their best pass catcher. So another like that that hasn't changed it, until further notice. Hunter Henry good. Yep, agree with you there. But um, big day for for Chad Rylands. Big kicking day on the eve of the in-stadium practice, which should be another big kicking day in some inclement I mean, weather. That's maybe, the but, big kicking day. Yeah, but he had plenty oh, of Oh, we do have this. Hang today. on. Sorry to cut you off because this is a Johnny Lumpkin podcast. Nope, not that one. This one. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, red jersey. Yeah, red jersey, non-contact jersey. So I don't know what happened to him, but uh, he looks even bigger somehow in the red non-contact jersey. Yeah, <laughs> he does. But – um. Yeah, I would, be, I would have been was, pissed if we missed the we missed uh, the Johnny Lumpkin news. But um, so it was interesting to watch because he ended Tuesday's session. He didn't seem too happy with how that ended. He had that close one on the right upright and then left the toe open, maybe overcorrected and, and hooked his final one left. So it was interesting to watch how he bounced back after Folk did uh, kicking duties yesterday. And he was perfect. I had nine for nine. Looked like the max was in like that 45, 50, 48 yard range. And yeah, still they did two minutes too. So it's 
you know, you're rushing out there, you're under the gun, the pressure's on, and he was three for three in those situations. So just a pretty much perfect day for Chad Ryland in this department. And the big thing, he was the kicker. They, they do this a couple times over the course of camp. So when they were doing the two-minute drill, they finished the drive, and then they put whatever it was, like 15 seconds on the clock, third and eight, and they ran a play, and then they had to run the field goal unit onto the field, and Ryland was the kicker for that. That's yep. the starting kicker's drill. So that's a strong side that it's him. Yep. He's been awesome. And and Barringer, still the holder during all of that. And they he led punting drills today. I don't know. Did you have the did you have the hang times for today? It looked yeah, like I did. A, they were they were down a little bit. They were doing looked, a weird drill. It looked like they were trying they were a little shorter field and it looks like they were trying to pin them like as close to the end zone as possible. So a little less on the hang times, but yeah, and they yeah, had like they had Brendan Schooler back there as the returner, but he was like batting at the ball. So they, they don't read too much in the hang times today. They're up there, but I think this was a very specific thing, yeah, like a very specific kind of drill. They they weren't going full go. Slater was back there too, kind of like batting them around. It was wasn't like a clean team punting punting drill. So, but Barringer was the first one up, still holding. So. Looks like those those rookies have that inside track here early on for the for the roster spots. Yeah, I would I would say so. I it, you know, Evan asked me this on on Catch Twenty Two earlier, and by the way, that's now up on Patriots.com. I it, I'm not ready to say like it's done. Yeah. Uh, I'm everywhere but though. Like at this point, I think because the thing with rookies is they're inconsistent. So I don't know that that Waitman or Full can catch either of the rookies. But also remember, Quinn Nordine had the 10 for 10. And then what was then it, like one for five in that preseason game. So that's pretty much all we're waiting on. As long as these guys can tread water between now and the end of the preseason, I, I think it's the rookies. Yeah. So we can wrap it up with a few roster moves because in classic fashion, right when we logged off yesterday, they made a roster move. They yep. released wide receiver Ed Lee undrafted free agent out of URI. And then right before we hopped on, good timing actually today, they released linebacker Therese Hall with an injury settlement, I believe. And he was someone who got banged up on that collision with time on practices ago, and we haven't really seen him since. So two roster moves. And they also worked out, was it CJ Maribel? I don't know if it's, it's Maribel or Marable. That is, but whatever he is, he's a two-time USFL champion. Yeah. And so uh, continuing to kind of bring in some running backs here with, with two roster spots open now. Yeah. Again, I think it's, they know they need a running back and they're going to get to it. I think that they're using this opportunity to get a lot of reps for Pierre Strong, and Kevin Harris and get those guys experienced and really evaluate those guys. And I I've said this before. I, I think you're looking at after the Packers game, you know, before they make the trip to Tennessee, signing a back and, and bringing in somebody like, like Ezekiel Elliott or, or like Leonard Fournette to get ready for the regular season. Do you want to hear my conspiracy yeah. theory about Dalvin cook? Sure. So remember how Dalvin cook was like a jet. Like he was, he made it sound like he was signing with the jets and it was like all said and done. And then we haven't heard anything about yeah. it for like three or four days. So hard knocks debuts tomorrow. Right, August fourth, I believe the debut. He's already he's already signed. They're waiting to break it on the Hard Knocks debut, which would be monumentally stupid. But it also seems like something the Jets would do. 
that would be a this year's Jets move. Again, conspiracy theory. Like, I don't think that's real, but I kind of want it to be real because it would be hilarious. Oh. Yeah, but it looks like they'll add a running back here. Someone asked uh, where Montgomery is. We haven't seen him practice with the team. We did see him that, today, that, though. Yeah, but we, we saw him. He appeared in his jersey, too, so it looked like he might have been conditioning somewhere. So maybe he's factors back into the equation here sometime. Doesn't look like that could be season ending here or missing serious time he might back back in the mix soon here so but still even if he comes back probably still need another running back there yeah i i i need a guy i think they know they need a guy they're just for whatever reason and i think the reason is they want to see the kids i think they're they're waiting on it yep i'd agree with you there so any last thoughts before we wrap up here and move on to friday night I think I think we actually got to the whole to the whole. Normally, I have one or two things for my notebook at the end, but I think we actually we talked about Thornton. Miles um, Bryant Miles Bryant had a good one on one win today against I think it was Kayshawn Booty. So Miles Bryant, he, he had a hole what? too in the red zone. I don't know if you saw he that. Did but, played a Gasicki, looked like he was open, nice little tug. Okay, but Miles Bryant also should not be covering Mike Gasicki. Like, exactly. Once Miles Bryant's those, covering Mike Gasicki, you've already lost, and it's not Miles Bryant's fault. That's what we said yesterday. Let's put him in positions that he could succeed, and him against Mike Gasicki probably isn't one of those. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, but uh, his his strong summer continues. I, I, I So I'm working on my roster projection. I have Miles Bryant on. It is really hard. Yeah, like, I have, spoiler alert. Right now, and I'm still going to tweak and, and fiddle with it, but I have Isaiah Bolden as my 54th player, and that's already getting creative and opening up some spots that might not open up. But I'm like, ah, it's tough. It's 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 getting tough. Because I want to put Isaiah Bolden on, but it's like he's a guy that I think right now, you know, they have the initial 53, and then somebody goes on IR, and then he gets re-added to the roster. He gets elevated from the practice squad the first few weeks and then gets signed later on. So we'll see what happens with that. It's it's tough, though. Just so much depth on that defensive side of the ball. It's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. But um, so that'll do it from day eight of Patriots training camp. In stadium tomorrow, 6.30 start, I believe. Gates open at 6. First season ticket members and, and Foxborough residents. Looks like might maybe a little rain, so we'll see what happens there. But we'll be back to recap it maybe tomorrow night or maybe Saturday. We'll see. So turn on That's your going to be a TBD. Pass. Yeah, so make sure you're subscribed. Notifications on Patriots Press Pass so you know when we are going to go live. But until then, you can follow Alex on Twitter at RealAlexBarth. Go read all of his training camp coverage over at 985thesportshub.com. Check me out on Twitter at I am Brian Hines and go read all my training camp coverage over at patspulpit.com. Thank you, as always, for tuning in, and we will see you guys 